census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. podcast i'm your host patrick Rayhall, but you can call me patsy the angry nerd and uh, we are here uh in the pat cave of magenta manor uh broadcasting to you semi-live i mean i'm i'm live i'm live you're live you're live so is it is it live or is it memorex, memorex. uh it is definitely not memorex uh <laughs> but it's something else but we are uh broadcasting <laughs> like i said from the pat cave of magenta manor Brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And uh, as you just heard, I am not here by myself. I am caught. Joined, not caught. I'm reading the YouTube page. That I mean, up. technically, I did catch you. You did. And what a catch you are. Oh, uh, I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. <clears throat> Podcast! Wine! <laughs> Patsy! And you know, and it's weird because... Record! Usually I... Say word! Uh, yes. Usually I screw up that... Uh, <laughs> That opening like six or seven times, uh, but I didn't this time. I was actually I uh, got it on the first try, and uh, which is good because uh, we're recording this in a different manner that we normally do. But uh, we are also not uh, gassed. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not gassed. She's. This is without the drugs. <laughs> You're either doing too much or you're not, not enough. enough. Either way, you're, you haven't hit the right amount. Uh, but we have a guest today. Who guest! Is, Jesus Christ. Who is uh, an expert on our subject matter. Uh, he's also an expert on Ninja Turtles and uh, all things nerdy, especially uh, Event Horizon. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Uh, Justin Cooper Duper. That's right. Uh, the Duper was added later. Um, that's my married name. Yes, it's hyphenated. <laughs> I don't know if I've been on since I've been married. Maybe just one. I don't know. But uh, you haven't been on in a while, and you know we've been looking for uh, an excuse to get you back on here, um, because you are one of our most faithful uh, listeners. Uh, in fact, when we were off air, you suggested that uh, we use one of our uh, old musical rejoinders, which we're going to be using today. Oh God, yeah, I'm a I'm super very... fan. I admit it. Yeah, I mean, you were on one of the first, like, half dozen episodes, like, way back in the day. You were on very early, because uh, we talked about uh, uh, Booster Gold. And were you on with, with, was it with Mars to talk about Blue Beetle? 
No, no. I think that was what episode two where you had Dynamo on. I I listened to all the episodes. I went back like when after I met you guys and I I listened to all of them. So, no, I didn't do that. And you know, I think the the episode after me was um, Brandon uh, Powers, and you were talking about Back to the Future. And then it's it's ironic because like after all this time, now he and I are podcasting co-hosts. It's just yeah. the weirdest sort of kismet. Yeah, you know? it's just cool the way everything works out. And you have a new show. Uh, you've got 37 uh, podcasts that you do yep. Uh, yep. a week. I uh, I uh, actually rotate them by uh, second. Um, so every second of the day, I'm doing a different show. So just, uh, you know, um, yeah, I haven't seen different. my kids in months. And, uh, you know, I assume they're okay. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, that, that scene at the beginning, you know, when from the first Bob's Burgers. When he doesn't know what day it is and it's their anniversary, yeah, <laughs> like you're so he's like, you know, I'm bad at remembering days. Oh, it's your birthday. Oh, it's my birthday. Oh, it's your due date. She's sitting there holding a baby, baby <laughs> yeah. Tina. He's like, how, oh, how, how to go? How, how to go? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like that. Fine, it went fine. <laughs> Five three or nine three nine is divisible by three. What? That's not a thing. <laughs> But I'm so excited to have you on because we are talking about Muppets today, which is, if you didn't guess, that was Ash's, uh, I'm guessing, what was that? Animal! Oh, I thought you were going to be like, spot on Kermit, like... Woman! Yes, you you is. Justin! Nora! (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we're going to be talking about uh, the electric mayhem today because of the new Disney show. Which, if you haven't watched it, uh, it's delightful. Uh, oh, it's we, so independent good. of each other, we haven't watched the entire series, which is on Disney Plus. They dropped the entire series. Uh, there's ten episodes or tracks uh, because we only um, we didn't want to spoil anything for anybody because the show is still fairly new. And unlike some people that are on YouTube who like need to rush to be the first to review, and you know, it's like. A new, like the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out, and it's like, oh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out today, and I'm getting inundated with like these these comic channels where it's like, yeah, here's the ending explained for Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, it's been out for like 12 minutes. Like, how do you already have like a fully like with clips from the movie and like an ex- explanation of how it ended and like what the post. And how did you get clips? Yeah. <laughs> how do you already have all of this done and ready to go? Like a deep, deep dive into the, the analysis of all the minutia of everything that's going on, like a full break. Like the movie's been out for five minutes. Can we please take some time and enjoy things? But no, everybody has to be the first to put it out and have their theories and their their you know comments and everything but in that vein uh we do have a getting into character question uh side question because i know you and i talked about something earlier but i have a couple of side getting into character questions are they are they that wait side quests for the getting into character question uh not side quest question side the first <laughs> but what i did was I came up with a couple of questions earlier and I mentioned it to you and I was like, oh, I have this one question that I want to ask and I guarantee you that I know what Coop is going to say, but then I came up with a second question that you don't know about. So what I did beforehand was write down the answers to that to each of those questions and I put them on a 
post-it note, which is over next to me on my second monitor. So while we're getting ready for this, I wanted everyone to know that you, know, you can see it. You can see that the answers are right there. And I'm not writing anything again. And I'm going to show Coop that I can just reach over and give it, give, show him the thing on the camera. So Coop, my question for you is, and obviously you can answer as well. And then I will also give an answer. Who is the most indispensable Muppet? The one without whom the Muppet show, like all subsequent Muppet movies, everything. Who is the one Muppet that you could not take away without ruining the whole thing? Like it's the 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 one Jenga piece that would create uh, the that would force the entire tower to collapse. The Great Gonzo. I would like to show you the <laughs> paper that I have. Can you read what that nice. says? It says Gonzo. <laughs> now, the second question. <laughs> I didn't even uh, think about it. It was like right there. Yeah. The second question I have. If a Muppet were to go on a murderous rampage, who would be the most likely Muppet to do so. Hmm. I mean, there's there's crazy Harry, you know, um, who who definitely like blows things up. But it's like, um, I, I suppose the easy answer would be like like a crazed animal. But I I kind of feel like Beaker. What do you? Think? I would like you to read the second Beaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I told you two wow. for two. Wow, that was great. Yeah, Beaker's Revenge, you know. Who knew? Yes. I mean, who is more abused, neglected, and downtrodden than poor Beaker? Bunsen Honeydew blows that motherfucker up yep. all the goddamn time. Yeah, yeah. He's he's basically, I, I feel like he's a clone or something like that that was made to be indestructible, literally just so he could, uh, you know, blow him up. But that doesn't yeah, jive with like Muppet Babies canon. So, but like if anybody were to like just snap and seek revenge, because I mean, Harry gets to blow shit up all the time. Like oh, he yeah. has an outlet for his anger. Animal, same thing, goes on rampages all the time. You know, sometimes never, his never actually ends... killed anybody though. You know, no, like sometimes he ends up being a, a chef. Hibachi chef, you know, and like, uh, sometimes he ends up being a giant monster that scares away Charles Durning, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you never know, but like again, healthy venting for his anger. The only one who doesn't have that is Beaker. So I am, nice. uh, I'm very proud to have guessed That's both great. Answers <laughs> written down ahead of time before we even started recording, so about 45 minutes ago. So, Ashes, for you, who is the most indispensable Muppet? Uh, you know who it's Wait, not? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write down what I think your answer is. Okay, but I can tell you who it's not. Skeeter. What happened to Skeeter? Howie Mandel. <laughs> Did, was he the voice of Skeeter and Muppet Skeeter, Babies? Yeah, Skeeter and Animal. And that Skeeter's basically like his Bobby's World's voice, so 
Yeah. 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 But it was Skeeter and Scooter. Yep. And then they, for some reason, did away with Skeeter and we just had Scooter. Yeah. Uh, so the most, let me see, the most indispensable Muppet. I'm going to go with Miss Piggy. Okay. Um, That's not what I thought you were going to say, but. Well, it's either Miss Piggy or it's Fuzzy Bear. Again, not what I thought you were going to go with. Really? Yeah, because I, I I went with the one that I think. Kermit? Nope. Oh, Robin? Indispensable... No, no, no. The most indispensable Muppet. The one without whom the entire system collapses. I do agree Gonzo is a good pick. Obviously, Kermit Kermit is the lone voice of reason and sanity. In a, in... Well, he's also he's the leader of the group. Right. It, it, he's, he's the one who kind of makes everything go. Do you know who Kermit is? Kermit is, uh, in my mind, the entire Muppet show is uh, just the inmates of an asylum uh, living out their fantasies a la Shutter Island. Oh, wow. Is the head physician who is just observing and kind of letting things play out. And every now and then, when things get a little too rough, he tries to kind of steer things into the, the, the right path. But, like, for the most part, he just lets people go. And he's very... You can see this with the way he deals with a lot of them. It's like, hey, you know, I believe in you. You can do this. Like, this is, you know, like, he's their therapist. That's who Kermit is. But for me, would you like to take a guess, Coop, as to what I have written down? For who you think is the most indispensable Muppet? Indispensable Muppet, especially given the analogy that I just gave you. I feel like you're going to say Scooter. I don't know. Statler and Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf are important. They are basically on the board. Like they're like the 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 board of trustees, the guys that oversee the whole thing. But no. Dr. Strangepork, of course. The Swedish chef. The Swedish chef. <laughs> the chef of Sweden. <laughs> The Swedish chef, because when are people most irritable? When they're hungry. When they're hungry. There's a whole Snickers advertising campaign about you're not you when you're hungry. And you have to keep... And I have a friend who is a producer, and their philosophy is there's two things you don't mess with, the money and the food. Make sure people are well-fed, and they will work hard, and they will have a good attitude so that's uh it, you you raise an interesting point because in the um in the muppets christmas special right like like the one with jim henson shows up you have the swedish chef who runs uh, a foul let's say of the biggest turkey he's ever seen in his life a big bird so and and um, if if your listeners, if you're a new listener or anything else like that, if you had not listened to their episode on um, Carol Carol Spinney and the um, the Big Bird episode, go back, do yourself a favor, listen to the episode because it it may even bring you to tears. So well, thank you. Because it's that bad. Yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> that. I wasted two hours of my life. It's that compelling. <laughs> 
you know it's like there's there's things about like your voice like when you start and you're like and you're like and he did it with one hand you know and it's like when you start like shouting passionately at it and it's like it just comes through that's a great episode so yeah because i mean puppeteering is not easy um being green either i i've i've mentioned this (laughs) i believe i've mentioned this on the show but like we uh we got to go to the premiere of the film that we were both in and we both worked on, uh, Celepheus, which was like a three-year labor of love uh, by our good friend Mike Neal. And there's a scene in which I operate a puppet. And I think we spent a total of about an hour on this one shot for it to be on screen for about, what, a second and a half? We'll say five, no, maybe. No, it's way less than that because you see the the thing, but like the actual puppeteering part mm. is about a second and a half. But it gets this huge reaction from the crowd, which is really, really awesome. And I was very, very proud of myself. Um, but while I was operating that puppet, my entire arm that was inside the puppet was covered with ants that were biting me. Oh, so wonderful. I understand the uh the uh you know suffering for your art put yourself in a in a very precarious position uh if only a tiny fraction of what you know these performers do well uh, you know you saw how cgi ants worked out in um indiana jones and the uh, crystal skull so everyone appreciates the uh, practical effect yeah well i mean there were no ants in the shot they were just all over me biting me oh shit (laughs) no no no. i was trying to perform but my arm was covered with ants and the ants were biting me because we disturbed an ant colony trying to get this shot that is uh yeah that was part of the shot it was just me having ants on my arm while trying to perform with a puppet Holy crap, man. That's uh, it was wow. super. Uh, but again, an hour's worth of work for one and a half seconds worth of, but we got a great reaction from the crowd, and that's all that mattered. So, Ashes, do you want to get into our actual getting into character question? Yes. So, because we are talking about the Electric Mayhem today, and they are a band and they produce songs, we want to know. What is your favorite song or what are some of your favorite songs from the Muppet universe? Ooh, so not just not just um Electric Mayhem, so like any of like the Paul Williams or like the Ray Charles songs, anything like that? Anything as long as there is a Muppet involved in some way, shape, or form. Oh my god. Uh when when I was in high school, I had a band, right? And I was the lead singer in the band. It was kind of like a Leonard Skinner Cars Led Zeppelin fusion. And um one of the songs that we always wanted to cover was Can You Picture That by the Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. So that's that's gonna be my number one. So a- absolutely. Uh I don't think we even got that far. Everybody got suspended. So we were we were supposed to do The Ocean by Led Zeppelin at the senior show and um my entire band except for me got suspended for pot. So it's just like, all right, I guess we just, you know, not going to have that. I didn't so. get it suspended. I got expelled and arrested <laughs> and excommunicated and then deported. Uh, excommunicado. 
(laughs) (laughs) They gave me an hour head start. I'll put it that way. So that was a pretty that was a pretty good Ian McShane. Yeah, I watch a lot of Deadwood. Which is actually a really great show. So you know. I've I've heard good things. Is that Timothy Oliphant? Yes. Yeah. I got I got hooked on that show like a year ago, and I can't. Help. Um, so can you picture that's huge? Well, I love that one. You know, there's there's some really cool ones um, that have the guests, like obviously Elton John doing a Crocodile Rock. Um, <gasps> Yes. That is with the actual crocodiles. Nya, 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 nya. Yes. You know? Oh, I forgot about that. That was a Harry really Belafonte. good show. Oh my god. Harry Belafonte lives rent free. You know, he come from the jungle, go back to the jungle, turn the world mm-hmm. around. That's that's a great one. Um Brush Up Your Shakespeare by uh Christopher Reeve. That's one that that I always kind of stuck in my head, you know, um on there. I mean, and then and then you can pick anything from Muppet Christmas Carol. Anything. Anyone that you want. Like that it's a it's a masterpiece. And it's it's crazy that that is the first one they did without um Jim, Jim Henson. And you've got Steve Whitmire stepping in to do Kermit's voice, you know, and um and like the puppeteering and all that. And it's like this is amazing. And it's it's an absolute masterpiece. So did did you guys ever see the uh, Wizard of Oz one? Uh, Muppets Wizard yes. of Oz? So, yes. so that one, it's got some interesting songs. Um, I, I do like the uh, Dancing in the Moonlight, Moonlight from the uh, the Muppets Haunted Mansion. I thought that was kind of cool. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good ones. Even um, Muppets Treasure Island is a favorite of mine. Like I, I love I love a lot of those. You know, um, oh, so, Tim Curry's in that one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's so good, so good. He, I mean, you, you talk about like an actor, like they get like this one actor and anchor it to them. So it's like, oh, we've got Michael Caine or we've got, um, you know, Tim Curry or something else like that. Like someone else would like this, this, uh, you know, dramatic gravitas. John Cleese shows up in uh, Great Muppet Caper and Charles Grodin. So it's like, man, they, they just they know how to pick the right person for, for the job. At least they used to. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. What was it? Will Arnett was in the new one. And I'm like, hmm. You know, I'm kind of iffy on him, but he was all right. He tends to, ever since the Lego Batman movie, he just talks in that Lego Batman voice all the time. He's very one note, you know, it's. And even in the Ninja Turtles movie, he was talking like Lego Batman. It's like, why are you talking like that? That's not your normal speaking voice. Yeah. You know, it's it's like Gary Oldman where he lost his accent because he did so many different accents and he just did Lego Batman all the goddamn time. And so now he's stuck as Lego Batman. I, I heard he got shorter because of tiptoes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a deep cut. <laughs> this is a deep cut. Okay. Oh, yeah. Matthew McConaughey, Kate Beckinsale. Yep. And uh, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman playing a dwarf in a movie where you have Peter Dinklage. Yep. Yep. Not. I mean, I'm going to say he's not playing a dwarf, but like he's not playing the title. And like the movie is called Tiptoes because it it's, was it's one movie. of those movies that does not age well. I'll put it that way. So. No. <laughs> it's about ballet. So if you like center stage, don't watch this movie. That's good. <laughs> oh, that, that analysis was on point. Yes, it was. Uh, Just trying to keep you on your toes. <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> so, do you want to know mine? Yeah, I do want to know yours. Uh, 
the Muppet of a Man song. Mm-hmm. Very manly Muppet. Oh, from 2011's The Muppets. Yes, when we went to see that, and I was like, yep. And he was looking into the reflection. Uh, and he saw Walter, Jim Parsons. And he was Jim Parsons. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. I was actually humming that today while I was weeding. Yeah, yeah that's that's my uh, that's that's my favorite Muppet song. That's it. That's it. I That's mean, it. like, obviously, Rainbow Connection's really good. Yep. Moving right along. Mm. Um, those are bare left, right frog. Yeah, at the fork in the road. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get into public television. <laughs> those are all great. You know, um, the speaking of uh, the fo- the song from Follow That Bird, where he's blue and he's in the. Yeah, fucking page, and he's like singing about how sad he is, and it was like so depressing. And I was like, oh. "You know I, what?" I, I remember just brought most- up that movie. Yeah, what's the Waylon Jennings song? Right, "Ain't No Road Too Long." Mm-hmm. I I put that on our Outlaw Country uh, playlist. I'm like, from "Follow That Bird," one of the greatest movies about a giant anthropomorphic bird ever done. You know? Do you know what I remember most about that movie? The one thing that sticks out to me, and again, I haven't seen this in 35 years. Easily. Cookie Monster eating the car? Nope. <laughs> okay. Nope. The Grouch Restaurant. Oh, yeah. My salad in a catapult. And as the scene ends and it fades to black, you hear the guy going, where's my jello? <laughs> that's, that's what I remember most. That's awesome. In the part where uh, Big Bird uses his talons to literally rip apart uh, Mrs. Finch, and then like pecks out her eyes. That's the I, part I think I that's Thanks Killing you're thinking of. I don't. I, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen <laughs> yeah. it. It sounds like a Muppet movie. It's I like mean, a Happy Town Murders. Remember that one? When you think about it, <laughs> Cookie Monster. Uh, has forward-facing eyes on the top of his head, which means he is a submerged ambush predator, like a crocodile. Like a yip, 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 yip. Those guys too. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So that's th- those. Those are mine. What about yours? Um. So I've uh, I have a few on my list. Uh, Manor Muppet was definitely on my list. That's such nice. a good one. Um. Alice Cooper was on the Muppet show and he did welcome to my nightmare with the Muppets. And it was just so good. I believe, um, I believe Sweetums was one of the Muppets. He was. That, yeah. He, um, he took his too. hand off and yeah. gave it to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a Muppet family Christmas yes. is such a good film and it's very difficult to find. Uh, not many people have, not many people have seen it, or if you've seen it, you haven't seen it in a really long time. But anyways, um, it's a great crossover film with the Muppets and Sesame Street and the Fraggles. And there's this scene where Robin and Kermit end up in the Fraggle hole with the Fraggles, and they talk about this pebble that has been regifted 37 times in the fraggles and they sing this song called pass it on 
I don't know if anybody read. Yeah, it's just I didn't think we were going there. No, 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 but the la la's are part of the song. Yeah, but like I'm not just making up the la la's. Like the la la's are actually part of the song. I didn't think. I didn't think we were going there because, like, I didn't include the Fraggle stuff because it's like I'm like I got the record, so my uh. That is fabulous. Can I do the la la's if if I don't remember the words? <laughs> but yeah, but and they ended up they end up the the Fraggles gift Robin this pebble. And then Robin gifts Kermit the pebble. But anyways, yeah, that film is fantastic because then I think Grover ends up with it by the end, right? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Um there's another song so Electric Mayhem does a cover of Jingle Bell Rock towards the end of that film and i used to love that when i was younger because at the end animal goes that's the jingle bell rock and i just always thought it was really funny that he did that what um when they did bohemian rhapsody so that so my number one <laughs> is when i believe it was like 13 years ago i if I uh, is around there, read yeah. that correctly, um, they released the the video where they yeah they did a parody of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, it was supposed to be and like it was a work just meeting. So good, it was so good. Yeah, you have Animal Mama, 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 <laughs> Mama, Mama. Uh, yeah, that one was really good. Anytime the Muppets do a parody of something, it's always usually pretty good. But yeah, that has this, that's probably my number one, or it's definitely up there. But there's so many good songs in the Muppet universe. So many good songs. And then, I mean, when we're not talking the Jim Henson universe, because then we'd have to talk yeah, about... Yeah, I'm like, come on. You know, yeah. Labyrinth alone. The like, Henson-verse. You know, like, it's just, it just gets crazy. Um, you know, Sesame Street has some really great songs. I was just listening, for some reason, in the process of thinking of all this and thinking of, you know, Muppet songs throughout the years, I remembered this one song, um, Ernie wanted to play the saxophone with this band and he couldn't because he couldn't hold the saxophone and his rubber ducky at the same time and so the owl who was the the, the main what the story of bert's blanket that's the story of bert's blanket that's another uh, one kevin kevin clash was doing the voice of that owl but um, yeah, you got to put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone. You got to put down the yes! ducky if you want to play the saxophone. Yes! Yeah, I remember that. You got to put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. C is for cookie. You That's see, this is why we can't go into the Sesame Street universe because it, there's just. You said anything with a Muppet. Well, yeah, but like. Yeah, like oh, anything I mean, with a Muppet. Because and then we have to go in, you know, Emmett Otter. No. The Riverbottom oh, yeah. River Nightmare Band. That's a different... You ought to know about that. Um, that's the Alanis Morissette song. Uh, wasn't that ironic? Don't you think? So, yeah. You're, you, you know, you're right. If we keep going, like, we'll just... Well, we could do an episode just on the music of, like, of will, Jim Henson's creations. Mark like, that alone. down. We're going to do that with Coop. We're going to do a, a, a Muppet... 
You know what? Maybe we do a live Muppet sing-along episode. Oh, oh my God. That'd be great. We could probably get like a bunch of people and then we could pretend we're, like we're celebrities in our $300,000 kitchens and we're just like, oh, like rainbow connection. But like we all yeah, have different fun. internet speed, so it like sounds like we're echoing. And we didn't even talk about the Muppets. No, with Dave Gruel. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to get into our main discussion, which is the electric mayhem, because otherwise we're going to get sucked down a rabbit hole and we from which we will never recover. So we will be right back. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. back for those of you who have been uh, sticking around for quite some time you'll recognize this song as uh, our good buddy rocky doing his uh his song called dead river uh rocky playing as uh, no man k-n-o-w-m-a-n i love that so much it's a really good song uh and that was one of the uh that was our rejoinder song for the longest of times um but yeah, throw, so we are, throwback Thursday, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we today are talking about, uh, as we mentioned, the elect Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Although Doctor Teeth is not the front man, just he's the one who he doesn't even handle the money. It turns out. <laughs> um, if you are not familiar, this is the the main band. Uh, which, for whatever reason, doesn't incru- include Rolf, the piano guy, the piano dog. Yeah, he was. That's a big misconception. But he's he's never actually been part of that band. He was a, a separate musical act, and he was part of the house the house orchestra. Yes, like he was just Rolf. Um, if you haven't seen it, there is a new show on Disney Plus. Uh, all about how the Electric Mayhem 50 years ago signed their signed with a record label and got a huge, huge uh, upfront bonus, which none of them ever saw except for except for one guy. <laughs> um, but they never released an album, which is wild. And I love the concept of this show. So we're going to get into it a bit more about who. The electric mayhem is and and their origins and you know some of their their hit tunes but the first thing i want to say about this show and i mentioned it to you ashes and coop let me know if you feel the same way the creators of the show the writers uh the 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 creative team 
you can tell that they are fans of the original subject matter because there is a lot of uh, the same type of humor and witty back and forth and just the personalities of the characters are very true to what I remember growing up watching the movies and the show. And we haven't gotten that from all of the, uh, all of the recent Muppet projects, um, especially like, I didn't think the haunted mansion really captured that vibe of the characters. I didn't think that the, uh, the, the, the Muppets movie that came out and then there was a sequel to that. I, Muppets I, most wanted. Yes. I can tell you, I don't even remember if I saw that. Oh no, we watched it. And I, and it left zero impression on me because it didn't have, it's not so much getting the voices right. Like that's, that's not the main it's thing. A, and you're it's never a vibe. going to, yeah. It's a vibe. It's a feeling. It's the, it's the, 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 the way the characters come across, like you have to capture their spirits and their essence. There's not a way to like, again, you're never going to get the voices right because Frank Oz doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. No Richard Hunt. That's, that's a big one. No Jerry Nelson, no Richard Hunt, you know, um, obviously doesn't do it anymore. Like Carol Spinney, unfortunately, you know, you're not going to, I mean, I know. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these voice actors have unfortunately passed on or you retired. Know, retired. Um, no, but I was saying that it reminds me of the Mandalorian. Watching the Mandalorian yeah. felt so much like Star Wars. Captured everything that we love about that original Star Wars universe, and that's what watching this show felt like to me. Um, Feels like watching the old Muppets, you know, getting excited because there was a new episode, you know, of of a a new Muppets something, you know. Um, And it's because this is what happens when people who are fans of the source material are allowed to create and follow a vision uh, like Filoni and Favreau do with The Mandalorian. Um you know, these are guys that are basically like the, you know, when the show first came out and like the memes were going around, it's like, oh, here's Filoni and Favreau doing a, you know, getting ready to to write the next episode of The Mandalorian. Like, and it was can... just like two kids playing with a bunch of Star Wars toys. <laughs> you can tell that it's not just for a cash grab. It's a labor of love. It's a passion project. Or it's it's not just. They're looking to get it right. Like there's, yeah, because there's a couple of different ways that people try to cash in on this nostalgia it's like you said it's a cash grab or it's someone that's like i just want to you know uh i'm not really a fan of the source material i'm aware of it i have a you know basic knowledge or or it's like oh we own these characters so we might as well do something with it what i was saying is i want to be associated with it like i'm thinking the last jedi where ryan johnson is clearly not a fan of star wars but it was just and didn't want to follow the path that was set up. And it's like, I want to say that I did a Star Wars movie. I want to have this grand scale and say that I directed a Star Wars movie. But I also want to just like do it the way I want to do it and ignore everything that's come up to this point and just send it off in my own direction and do my own thing. So it's like that 
to me, like that causes more problems, especially in the middle of a trilogy, because now the last movie is not going to make sense because you have to try and tie up all these weird threads that, you know, never came up. So, Coop, what is your uh, initial uh, reaction? Because you've again, you've seen the same amount of episodes as us. We've watched the first three. Uh, what what is your first thoughts on this? I want to premise this by saying that I have a, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, the year 2003 Palisades uh, diorama of the electric mayhem in uh, <laughs> a glass case next to my television. Um, and <laughs> so, so let me just premise with that. Um, I made the family watch it. You know, it was one of those things where we're just sitting down, we're all going to watch it together and they could just see me looking at it like, you know, just kind of like moon and with like my, my mouth open, you know, kind of a gape, like like a small child looking and laughing. The humor is spot on. Um, mm-hmm. I could not find out if Paul Williams was part of the writing of the music. But I mean, like going way back, like he he was the guy who was writing with, you know, Jerry Nelson and, um, you know, Jim Henson and even Ray Charles, you know, the Ray Charles, you know, back in the day for the Muppet show. So, I mean, that's as authentic as you can get. So I wasn't able to see that, but the music is spot on and, and this shouldn't be a spoiler because you can, you can find it, but it's like they had Dr. Teeth singing a Joe Cocker song. How appropriate is that when he's got like the exact same vocal range and all that. And it's mm-hmm. and it literally like, like brings one of the characters to tears and, and I'm like, wow. So you have emotional gravitas, you have humor. Like when they paint that guy's house. Oh my God. I had just about lost it. So, <laughs> do yeah. you like it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Who did so, this? That depends. Do you like it? <laughs> like That's such a good Muppet joke. They took the forgotten band member character that nobody can seem to remember, but like he's been there, wasn't in the movies, but then was and all that. So they take the character and they made him basically like a Boonhauer, Sweden chef sort of person. It's like, well said, my friend. You know, it's like, yeah, like you can't understand anything he's saying. And that's the guy who was in charge of the money. (laughs) It reminds me of the uh, and I know we didn't touch on this in the last segment, but the. the clip where Willie Nelson was with them and it was like somehow Willie Nelson looks like the least stoned out of every one of them. <laughs> my, my wife was asking me if she thought Floyd Pepper, uh, the bassist was based on, um, on Willie Nelson. And I'm like, no, I think he's like pretty much based on, you know, someone from the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band from the Beatles, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so actually that's correct. So Floyd Pepper, his name, he's named after Pink Floyd and he's pink. So Pink Floyd. Um, And then Pepper is from Sergeant Pepper. And that's why sometimes you see him in like that jacket with the epaulets on it. I I never knew that word. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's also a type of shark. Yeah, I knew that was a shark. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, it's it it definitely like this show could have come out, you know, in 1987. You yeah. know, like the you know with obviously with like you know take the technology and stuff out of it, but uh, I wish it did. Time, I'd probably get more of the character, rep, like the the cameos. I'd get. Yeah, like, I know. Oh, here's this guy. Fuck me, like, I don't whoa. know. Wow, oh my god, I can't believe I'm meeting this guy. I'm like, isn't that the guy who tried to kill the Power Rangers? Like, like I don't know. <laughs> Zordon or something? Hey. Or Zed, is it? I'm like, I don't know who that is. And then, like, that girl's retro-reductivist question. 
<laughs> I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, who is she? But I will give this to the Muppets. They transcend time. You know, yeah. you can in, insert any any celebrity. Like, I was uh, in preparation for this, just kind of looking at some of the old older episodes of the Muppet Show. Um, with like Phyllis Diller and yeah. Vincent Price in the the first season. Now I know you haven't seen it, but uh, I believe Coop you have. But in Rocky Three, there's a montage of like all the endorsements and all the different things that uh, Rocky is doing set to Eye of the Tiger. And one of the things they do is they put him on the fucking Muppet Show. Yeah. Like he's doing all these endorsements and like showing all these like you know TV appearances and all this and that and like the Muppet Show is one of the things they made sure to include to show what a big star Rocky Balboa was and they filmed a whole thing and it wasn't Sylvester Stallone because it, they had Kermit's like yeah hey, welcome to the show Rocky Balboa like it was you they probably filmed that when Stallone was a guest you know and like. Was it seventy nine or or eighty? Well, Rocky three came out in eighty three. Yeah, so this is like years later because Rocky came out in nineteen seventy six. Oh, it was six. Okay, so yeah, seventy seven then is is when um uh, Stallone was on because they 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 just showed him like like hitting the bag and all the girls are like <gasps> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because although the first time I saw that, I thought it was like a bunch of people holding it and he hit it and they all flew off. Yeah, like a, <laughs> like a bop bag. Because, I mean, I figured that's what, you know, like, oh, they're they're doing that. Like, that's Rocky. Like, oh, and the Muppets are flying everywhere because, you know, that's what you're used to seeing. But, but I mean, it's a genius thing that they do inserting, you know, whichever celebrity is, you know, big during that time. It's a way that they stay relevant. Well, I mean, it's not only that, it's you weren't like the celebrities weren't keeping the Muppets relevant. You weren't, you weren't a big celebrity unless you were on the Muppet show. Like, you know, like it's, it seemed, it almost seems to be like, Oh uh, yeah, no, we're not going to have you on. You're going to bring our brand down. Yeah, sure. We'll have the cast of star Wars on. Sure. Come on on guys, you know, Hamill and Fisher and Ford. Yeah. We'll have them come on. But like, oh no, sorry, you know, random guy from the last Starfighter. We're not putting you on. <laughs> well, like, it's not, it's not Saturday Night Live in that aspect, you know, where they're going to pick someone who's like culturally hot. They'll pick someone whose art they enjoy. Like if you but, look at like they had Joel Gray on from Cabaret, you know, and they had mm -hmm. Buddy Buddy Rich, you know, and he was just like, did, 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 you know, like like uh, doing drum solos on like everything all the way. And and like Ash has said, you've got Alice Cooper, Elton John, you know, um. Who, who fits in perfect, you know, these, these types of people, Steve Martin was a huge guest, you know, and, and then he goes on to be in the movie in 1979 too. So it's, it's people that they enjoy their Can sense of humor the line for us. May I, <laughs> it's a beautiful muscatel. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic choice, sir. Yeah. But like, that was the thing. It was like the Muppets were, you know, you weren't big time until you were on the Muppet Show. Like, and the Muppet Show ran so long. I loved watching that every week because, like, you never know, you never knew who you were going to see. And it was like that with Sesame Street, too. Like, you would yeah. get, 
I mean, that was more about teaching kids stuff. Like when they had Smokey Robinson singing, you really got a hold on me with the giant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember that. That's a, that's a great one. Don Knotts played with the electric mayhem. Uh, oh, that I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Can he played the stand up bass. And Willie Nelson played with them. John Denver. John Denver. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's like another one who's an honorary Muppet. You know, yeah, he's got a legendary um, album of uh, Christmas tunes with the Muppets. So I know you have a lot of notes and stuff that you want to get to. Well, I just want to bring up the fact that, I mean, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem have been a part of the Muppet universe since day one. They were part of the original pilot episodes, not the first one, but the second one. Um, and... Jim Henson was part of the Electric Mayhem. They had a character, uh, and it, it was just for that one episode. Um, there was a character that resembled Jim Henson playing a banjo. Okay. I mean, and that, that I believe that episode was either, it was called Sex and Violence? I, I don't know. The, the that's, a little, that's a little adult for the month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember him um, in that but, Borneo song. Yeah, but this is when again it's a, a pilot episode, so this is when um, the Muppets were trying to find their footing. As to you know, they knew they wanted to have that adult audience. Yeah, I was going to say there's um, definitely some adult humor, especially oh, yeah. on the knees. But uh, you know, so which is why some of the characters are the way that they are, which is why, especially, you know, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem um, look like a bunch of stoners. The Grateful Dead. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, um, you know, uh, and they make, you know, uh, jokes about not being completely there. And, you know, they've kind of fallen into certain roles, so to speak. Like you know? stereotypes. Yeah, almost. well, I mean, like like Zoot. He's not all there. No, but he's definitely like you know the 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 stereotypical jazz musician with his saxophone <laughs> and his and his dark shades, and you got uh, lips like that dude. That dude is like as bad as Floyd seems like he's been like hitting marijuana bongs. I think that's what the kids call them. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, lips is lips is way way like his eyes don't even open all the way. Like he's, he's got that Jim Brewer thing going on. A little bit more like Jim Brewer has that lips thing going on. Although yeah, that's I don't, that's fair. I don't I don't think lips is a hardcore conservative. No, I don't understand either of them actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what were you gonna say? Well, I was going to say Lips actually uh, didn't really do much for a while. This is really the first time that we're seeing him uh, interact, not, not not interact, but actually say things. We're actually hearing his voice and he has more of a character. Yeah, I don't remember arc, him ever you know, even uh, being featured. Like neither, but like same with Zoot, like the only ones who you really got to see, Janice, Animal, Dr. Teeth, and... Floyd. And the whole reason why Lips was created, so uh, the character of Lips um, was created and performed by Steve Whitmire um, because he wanted to be part of the Electric Mayhem. That's really why. He's like, uh, create me a character. I want to be a part of this. 
And so that that's that's why. And he did the voice from 1980 up into uh, 2016. Mm. And Lips is now voiced by Peter Linz. Yeah, see, I always liked the band, you know, but like, like I said, like you never really got to see all of them, but they were all definitely like, you know, trippy hippie, like stoners, you know, although I don't know if that was the same term that was used back, you know, in the seventies and early eighties. Probably freaks, I, I'd say would be, uh, you know, like, um, like uh, Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention, yeah. all that, like the freaks, like their freak out album, like like those sort of freaky people, you know, uh, if, if you're into the, uh, uh, was that Tesla, you know, long-haired freaky people. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> you know? But it, it almost seems like they, uh, they took, you know, like what they did with Floyd, they took, he's like an amalgam of several different stereotypes like Dr. Teeth with his gold tooth and like his big flamboyant personality. Um, He's based on a real person, actually. Probably a dentist. You'd think. (laughs) You're a dentist. Your name is Dr. Teeth. Uh, But it it almost (laughs) seems like. Actually, (laughs) we find out that he was a dentist before he formed Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Although he's not the front man. And Lips is the one who's in charge of the money. But most of the stuff you find out in episode one. So, like, we're not ruining the show for you because that's kind of setting up the whole plot. Because they got, what was their, their advance? Like $400,000 or something? Yeah, like 450000 Yes. Know? And they ask him, like, what'd you do with it? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, like, where'd it go? Like, Like, you can either pay it back or, like, do the album. And they're just like, Lips is like, oh, yeah. So Dr. Teeth was originally performed by Jim Henson, and he based the character on New Orleans musician Dr. John. Makes sense. Maybe he had big teeth. Maybe that was like the the thing, like he had very prominent teeth, like a fire marshal bill or something. Although I was just thinking, like doing that doofy impression I did a second ago, maybe Lips is supposed to be like Bob Dylan. I maybe. I want to go back for a second. Um, Can you do that impression again? (laughs) What my Bob Dylan? Yeah, do do your Bob Dylan as if he was being uh, portrayed by uh, John Travolta. So basically, John Travolta. Oh no 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 no! (laughs) I want to hear John Travolta do. I was. I'm sure you heard the other day, you know, because we always we we like to like shout you out on the show. But I was like, oh, we, yeah, because we do, you didn't hear yeah, it. Was the, it was the John Wick episode. I know. It was also the Renfield <laughs> episode. Like, oh, oh great, okay. So I'll, I'll I do that. a great okay. Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. Look at me. I'm Castor <laughs> Troy. Like, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> uh, see, I just got to squeeze this for the listeners because it's like, that's what I enjoy the most. You know, it's, oh, it's like when you bring like, that out. Yeah. Oh, the, the Travolta. Yeah. Deep cuts. I remember on, I, I forget it was like the hundredth episode or something. I'm like, Patsy, you got to break out your hiccup. And you're like, I hate that one. <laughs> you're like getting mad at me. <laughs> oh, the, my, my Jay Baruchel. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's man, good. I train my dragon. But oh, I made it all Oh, I don't got a foot. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Gerard Butler, and he doesn't like me. I don't like anyone. 
I am not a burly man. I only weigh as much as my jerkin and my <laughs> metal foot. <laughs> well, I was going to say clothes and keys, but he didn't have any keys. No, not even. How <laughs> my foot got caught in the saddle. My dragon doesn't have any teeth, except sometimes he does. And th- th- nobody expected this. this no time. sense. <laughs> He's a knife fury, but sometimes he's also mad during the day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so he's not a Muppet. Well, he's close. But the thing that I love the most is they have this, and they've had it for 50 years, so it's probably paid off at this point, this freak bus, you know, this highly psychedelic... uh, uh, like Volkswagen microbus. I think it's a church you know? bus, right? Like, uh, like you'd see, like at a, a church would have or something. It's see, uh, looking at it again, like that. I think that was like their original. They had like a short, like school bus. Yeah. But now, like what they're driving in the show looks like a, a VW bus. Oh, on the show, of course. Yeah. Okay. So like, it's kind of that's what I'm saying. Like this, this show could have taken place in 1987. You know, given how well it's written and how well like the characters are performed. Oh man, my micro bus. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I think you don't get to see, because I think it was like really difficult to do. Um, but you get to see in this that you didn't get to see so much in some of those older shows is like the full body shots of them performing. Well, I mean, and that's because once upon a time, especially so like for Dr. Teeth, because of the way his arms move, it required two people to make him work. So somebody, you know, actually up in Dr. Teeth. One of the, one in the head, two in the arms. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of like um, the Swedish chef or beaker. And like, and that was one of the things that like I never noticed until we rewatched, because I never picked it up as a kid when we rewatched the Muppet office thing that they did. Um, the Swedish chef has like normal human hands. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like they wear them as a, as like the Gloves. Muppets. Yeah, yeah, like a like a jacket. It's with like, it's like whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Yes. Which is why it's always so funny seeing them like throw stuff around because the person can't see because they're underneath and there's somebody operating the head behind them. Um, uh, and like. And after that, I started noticing that so many anybody who's ever like grasping and Fozzie, uh, Beaker, Bunsen, Honeydew, like all of a sudden I start seeing all these guys that are like reaching and grabbing stuff. And it's like, holy shit. I How did I never notice this in 40 years? I never noticed this. Yeah. Like Sesame of- Street, you've got Telly, you've got Harry, you've got Oscar, you know, and uh- and it, it never occurred to me because I'm always thinking that it's just somebody operating the sticks. How does the two headed monster work? How does that work? Well, you got uh, <laughs> one, one arm, one guy doing the, the head and then same thing. So one person, the person that's on the left side of the monster will operate the left hand with the uh, right hand operating the head and the people on the right side will be operating the head with the left hand and operating the right arm with their right arm. So like they're shoulder to shoulder. What, you if, they rec- see what if they record on opposite day? Uh, <laughs> then they would both stand on their hands and operate with their feet. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. 
It's a lot just, more talented. Just checking your uh, Bill Watterson references there. So. Well, that's how they do it in Australia. Oh, okay. When Muppets go Australia, you have to stand on your hands and operate with your feet. Because as everyone knows, Australia is upside down. Mm-hmm. I love our friendship. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that, like, you know, we know each other so well, and we've never actually met in real life, but we will in, uh, in July which is going to be fun. So what else do you have on Dr. Keith and the Electric Mayhem? One of the things that I, I love that they're doing, again, similar to The Mandalorian, although The Mandalorian, they're kind of creating characters for this, but they've taken some characters, some lesser known characters. Um, they're using a similar formula. They're taking some of these lesser known characters so uh, and, and bringing them to the the forefront front and giving them their flowers you know for the longest time they've been the house band you know and some of the i think the the most well-known muppet of the electric mayhem animal. is animal yeah you know animal was involved in the muppet the only, babies i was gonna say he was the only one in muppet babies right i think janice uh, shows up at some point in the late season but she's already an adult oh Which really weird yeah, yeah it's weird we do get to see a little bit of, uh... I mean, this breaks canon, obviously, because it, Muppet Babies can't be canonical <laughs> because of what happens in episode three. Keep. I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. No, but it does explain why in the past. Uh, so Floyd Pepper and Animal have always had this bond. Now, sometimes it's been more like... Um, like a lion tamer? Well, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's been more like a an, a, a, a person with their pet. Um, and sometimes it's been kind of like a big brother, little brother type of situation. Um, I love the explanation that they give in, was it the second or third episode? Was, I think it was the third. Um, you yeah, know, I, I, I love that because it makes it make sense. And, it, you know, uh, gives a little bit more backstory as to why they have the bond that they do and why Floyd feels like he needs to look out for animal and why animal has this respect for Floyd in, in animals way and in his own way. It's very much um, the thing with animal is that he varied so, so much from, like episode of the show or movie to movie, like he varied so much from like one instance that we saw him to the next where like for some, it's like, Oh, he's, he's literally a trained animal. He's trained to play the drums and just go fucking wild on the drums, like with no real rhyme or reason, but other ones like he's problem solving. Like he has the intelligence of a chimp and it's like, (laughs) it really like varied depending on the situation. It's kind of like the geography in The Simpsons. The town shifts based on the joke they need to make. Like, sometimes Homer's backyard is the nuclear power plant parking lot. You know? Other times, the park it's on the other side of the city. Like, it's never consistent. Like, there was a... a every character had some consistency with their personality with the exception of animal uh which i 
kind of just chalk up to they were um they were kind of just showing like different moods almost like when he was in a good mood he was a little more he was calm and you could manage him a little bit more and he would be more uh uh receptive to you know playing in the band or like you know cooperating with the other muppets but when he got agitated or excited he would lose his shit you know like chasing back woman woman you know like all that shit you know like that jack black scene where he's at the retreat with uh doing like the the therapy for anger you know with jack black and then they end up stealing jack black for the end of the muppets Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys know that they based uh, Animal on uh, the drummer from The Who, Keith Moon? I don't know if you had uh, run across that, but um, that's that's who basically they were saying, yeah, this is him. And if you saw Keith Moon, you know, in in the seventies, like you know, doing that, that's that's Animal, man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they based the drumming style off of off of him, but personality wise, they kind of based him. He's kind of an amalgam of all of these drummers because drummers were known for being crazy and oh, yeah. erratic and you know kind of the the loose cannons of the group so to speak um yeah so but but drumming style absolutely he was based off on on keith moon there's yeah. there's that uh, episode i was talking about with buddy rich where he goes against animal then animal just can't hang with him because buddy rich is like one of the greatest like uh you know, drummers of all time. And he's like literally just like tooling him and all that. And animals like, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> I don't know what season it is, but it's, it's probably like one of the mid seasons, like maybe like season three or something, but that's, that's a good watch on, on Disney plus that episode. Yeah. And he was always one of my favorites growing up because he was so unpredictable and because he was so wild. Um, He took out Dabney Coleman. Yep. I mean, it's just, you know, especially as a young, young kid, and it's like, oh, he's he's the funniest because he's wild. Like it was like him, Gonzo, the Swedish chef, um, you know, Bunsen and uh, Beaker. Like those were the ones that I gravitated to the most because they were just wild and unpredictable. You had no idea what they were going to do. New Zealand whipping fish at people <laughs> like boomerang fish. <laughs> yeah, like just all the wacky shit. And you know, obviously the way that their voices were a huge part of the draw to them. Like when you look at some of these characters, and it's like obviously they've been around for so long, it's like, yeah, I can't imagine them having different voices. But when you hear the word, you know, the way they speak and how, like, the pitch and the tone and the timbre of their voices, like, it's so perfect. It's so well done. Like, yeah. I wish I could be there when they were, like, pitching these different voices for these characters. And it's like, what? well, let's just say, well, that's exactly what happened with the character of Janice. Yeah. So the first season of The Muppet Show, she did not sound like this. Yeah, which. Well, that was that was Richard Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Like a, he's an interesting character that I think you you might you know like the listeners might want to learn about too because it's like Richard Hunt. You know, there's a lot of speculation that this was kind of his 
persona, you know, it's like, okay, this is his feminine side. You know, he was at the, at the, the time a closeted homosexual. He wasn't out to the world, but the Henson family knew this, you know, and, you know, eventually, you know, he would go on. And I think he, he passed away in like 1992 or something like that, right after um, Jim Henson, you know, but like there was speculation for the longest time that this was like, this was his female persona. You know, like, like his drag persona. Kind of. Yeah. Like I mean, you, you could like absolutely look at it that way. You know, like, um, I guess, what's your definition? Like, is your definition, you know, performing as another, you know, I don't even know how to work it with Muffets. Like, is that a gender? Is it not? I don't know. You know, but um, I mean, Richard Hunt, like, that's the one that guts me. Like, that's the only one where it's like, man, I, I just have to live with it because it's like that great voice is gone. And he was the original Beaker. He designed Beaker, you know? So it's like, oh, man, I just that's the one. It's like I miss that. I, I, I love Jerry Nelson, you know, and um, and Jim Henson and all that. But the guy they got to do Dr. Teeth is great. So, yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, we've mentioned this on the show several times. And I actually had this conversation online with somebody. And I, I mentioned it. Um, you know, the fact that so much of what we grew up with, you know, and in some cases, we're made fun of and bullied about the reason why all that stuff is now mainstream is because the people who were bullied are the ones who were so passionate about this stuff that they loved, whether it's Star oh. Wars, Star Trek, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, Warhammer, like all this shit, you know, the Lord of the Rings, comic books, all of that stuff is popular now. Because the kids who grew up idolizing it and really enjoying it are able to be in a position of creative control and kind of share with the world their passion. You know, obviously Dave Filoni and John Favreau, uh, probably Filoni more just because he's been at it since, you know, the Clone Wars. You know, he's been putting this stuff together. Jason Siegel's uh, doing um doing that Muppet movie. He brought the yep. Muppets back from obscurity, you know. Yep. And the, and that's like that's the thing. That's like these are the people who love these things that like you know, I've seen so many people like, man, you know, I hate the fact that all the stuff that I loved and like people would physically assault me for liking now it's mainstream and everybody loves it. You know, it's it's a double-edged sword because it's like, this is what I loved growing up and it's harder to enjoy it now because while it's something that I love, it also brings up these traumatic memories of wow. when people would, you know, like, Oh, you know, you like this, you know, and they would, you know, rip the comic books or break your toys or, you know, just, incessantly bully you to the point where like you didn't want to do the things that you loved and you didn't want to be, you know, around the stuff that you loved, even though that's what brought you joy, you know? And so now for these same people to be like, Oh yeah, I love, you know, Iron Man and Batman and, you know, Mario and Sonic and all this shit. And it's like, yeah, I, I was very much that guy. Yeah. When, when I met my, my, uh, first wife, I actually had a Muppets poster on the wall, and she walked in my room, and she's like, "Okay, yeah." So I, I get it. You she's know? she's had a Fraggle Rock poster on the wall through her apartment and our previous apartment, and in this apartment. 
yeah, I'm I'm pretty jealous about that actually. So thanks, <laughs> I thanks got it in college. There was a there was a big poster sale my freshman year when we were moving in. That's awesome. We would go and buy posters for your walls, and I bought a. Uh, it was a, a a brand like an art brand called David and Goliath. I don't know if it's still a thing, mm -hmm. but uh, they used to do a lot of like kind of like in the vein of like Happy Bunny. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a a. a poster that said boys are stupid throw, throw rocks, rocks at, at them. them and it had a picture of a, a cartoon boy running away with rocks being thrown at him um i bought an <laughs> afi poster afi oh, wow -time favorite band uh which and that poster is uh, still on our, our i need to frame that because it's starting to look a little uh, worse for wear it's beat up but yeah that was from their sing the sorrow days um and a fraggle rock poster and it's just it's it's followed me and it's going to continue to follow me you yeah, know it just so cool. stays with you you know one of those is, it's a it's a solid fandom and the muppets have brought me so much joy throughout my life um i was thinking about this while watching this show i'm watching it and you know i forgot about work and i forgot about everything else that was going on and for those 30 minutes that I was watching that one episode, I was just so immersed in joy, just utter joy. And that's, you know, it's, it's the same reason why I love drag, you know, uh, it's just, it just brings me so much joy. And it, for me, uh, that's priceless. That well, is so and priceless. And sorry, I'll, I'll let you cut it in a moment. Um, the Muppets are something that I used to share with my dad. Mm -hmm. So when I watch something new that's, you know, Muppet related or Star Wars related or, or whatever, you know, a, a fandom that he was a part of, it feels like he's still here and I could feel him watching it with me. And it's just nice. It's nice to have those little moments. And that's kind of what I love about these little, little bits of nostalgia done so right, so correct, so perfectly is because it's not just entertainment it's joy and for some of us it's it's a connection to who we used to be and it's a connection to people who are no longer with us and that's just beautiful mm -hmm. well so i was i was just going to kind of build on what you were saying like we were originally just going to watch two episodes because like we were both tired and like it's like oh, we have to watch something but like we have to get to bed we have to you know, we have to get up tomorrow. And you were just like, if it wasn't a work night, we honestly would have just sat there and, and we would have binged the entire yeah. five and hours were, of the season. And you were like, can we just watch one more? And I was like, yeah, like, let's watch. But it was like the way you said it was just like, I could tell you were really, really enjoying it and really having a good time with it because, you know, it's like I was there, too. I was in the moment because I remember watching the Muppet show with my parents, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid. You know, not understanding all the jokes, not knowing who all the the celebrities were, you know, you know, here and there I would know who they are, but like laughing at the antics more than the content, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Cause yep. I was, you know, four or five years old and I didn't understand everything that was going on. But you know, it's it brings you back. Nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. And <laughs> you know, in certain cases. Yeah, like it brings you back to that time and it's like, oh man, like 
I remember watching the Muppets and not having any bills. Like that was the best. <laughs> I didn't have a car loan or insurance payments to make. Oh man. Did you like, worry about dental insurance? Oh, don't you even know. get started on dental oh. insurance. Dental plan. Lisa uh, needs braces. <laughs> How long are we gonna go, Pat? Just the one, just the one. Uh, <laughs> my dream, my dream, and this is this is a this is I think a, an achievable dream. And I almost I almost went for it when we did our live panel, our podcasting panel at Rock and Shock is to sit in front of a crowd with a microphone in front of me, have a bunch of people in the crowd, and just say dental plan and see how many people respond with Lisa Needs Braces. That is uh, a goal of mine. That is uh, something that is near and dear to my heart that I, I want to do someday. When I'm up on stage uh, giving my Oscars acceptance speech... <laughs> yell out dental plan like, oh, i didn't really have anything planned for this but uh dental plan <laughs> and then see how many people yell lisa needs braces back at me and be like, i'm tired about jokes about my giant hand the first the such first happened in <laughs> occurred in 1954 <laughs> if you haven't there is a uh if you haven't joined there's a group called tenuous and obscure simpsons Ooh. and people post pictures from all over the place and one of them today was a hat with a giant brim on it and it had like it i forget what was written on it but it just kept going all the way down to the brim <laughs> and it just, like and the brim was about a foot long and like the story or like the name of the company or whatever just kept going so it was like the joke about the giant hand Oh my god! Yeah, I I got really into board posting after hearing it on um those guys were on um uh, best darn diddly and uh, oh, I, got, I, I got pretty deep into that. I posted a cake that she made me for my 39th birthday because it was the the knockoff Bart saying eat pant, <laughs> and she made that that got like 1,500 likes. Wow! Or reactions? Are they done? I I haven't seen them in a while. No, so no, they're, no. They're still going. They're still going. Like, yeah. Uh, I saw some good ones. Uh, like somebody posted one today where it was uh, from the Frankiac thing because they make the memes out of Frankiac. And it was like, it was Homer with the 64 slices of American cheese. <laughs> and somebody posted 64 slight pictures, 64 oh pictures of cheese slices in the comments and you had to keep scrolling all the way down. And at the end, it's margin Homer talking. Did you stay up all night scrolling past cheese? I think I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the level of like dedication. Yeah, they are. They're crazy there. It's I've done a couple in there that have done. Okay. Mine suck. <laughs> the, uh, the... Yeah. Like I did one where it was. Uh... Oh, I did a Cobra Kai one. It was like, you know, strike hard, strike fast, you know, no mercy. Oh, you got this all messed up. And I did like the Lionel Hutz thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, where were we? we were talking about Muppets. And I, I wanted to just uh, comment on what Ash has said about um, the fandoms that she enjoyed with her dad. Uh, there is uh, the final episode the series finale of Fraggle Rock in which, you know, Gobo goes to Marjorie and um, the, the trash heap and she tells him you cannot leave the magic. And that is something that I have found to be just this profound thing in my life. That's absolutely true. You can't, you can go away from it for a while, 
but it's always there for you. It always comes back. And it feels the exact same way as when you were four years old, like I was, in the dining room, and they wheeled in the uh, cart that had the TV on it so we could watch Muppet Show. It takes mm-hmm. you back to that exact feeling. You can't leave the magic. And, you know, that, that's what Jim Henson nailed. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um... Well, I think it's because he was also a child at heart himself. I mean, oh, the good ones are. When you're surrounded by Muppets, it's easy to maintain that childlike whimsy and wonder when, granted, it's a job and, you know, making content is not easy, but like getting to just like pretend and use your imagination and play all fucking day, like that's amazing. Before we wrap up this part of the, the show, I did want to mention that uh, the Electric Mayhem have been doing promotional stuff for this series. Oh, that I didn't know. Yes, they've been doing interviews. They did the, uh, and I'll post this in the group because I was just watching it before we uh, recorded this, and it's hilarious. Um, the song association uh, quiz with L, where they give people a so- like a, a word, and you have to sing part of a song that has that word in it. It's actually, like, some people are very good at it. Um, the fact that these puppeteer these muppeteers excuse me are able to really just completely embody these muppets both literally and figuratively um it's just uncanny because they're doing this all off the cuff it's all ad-libbed they look real like sometimes when you're watching the Muppets, you I know this is this is yeah, not, this happens yeah. to me all the time. I forget that they aren't real. I forget who oh, said yeah. it. It may have been um actually may have been Jason Siegel in uh, when he was promoting the 2011 Muppet movie, saying that at times he forgot that there were people underneath him, you know, muppeteering the Muppets. Because he would just get so lost in the scenes working with the Muppets, you know, that, that you you think they're real. You treat them like you, you're talking to them. You're talking with them. You know, you forget, like, like these people do such a good job with the creation and the, I'll say, animation of these these puppets that you forget that they're puppets. Yeah. I think it's I think it's awesome. And I love the fact that you know, we're able to see that, you know, again, at our ages and still capture that same childlike wonder that we experienced as kids. Yeah. And the fact that now we have the, I mean, cause you know, Muppeteering has come a long way too in the past 50 years, Again, you know, I was going to say like the fact that you're now seeing like full bodied Muppets that aren't right. That aren't entire people. You know, like the thing that, you know, I remember having my fucking mind blown seeing Kermit ride a bike. Yeah. Like, holy shit, how'd they do that? But like now seeing like the opening of the of the episode is them performing uh, 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 the kiss song there. And I want to rock and roll all night and part of every day, part of every day, because you need some of the day to rest. Um. I like that better than the original by Kiss. Um, and like, I apologize all, if you have listeners that like Kiss, and I just apologize for them. They're all like 
you know, you have Janice and everybody like standing out front playing their instruments, like, and you see their legs and their legs are moving. And it's not just like they're because you can't marionette them. Yeah. yeah. You, have to, you have to open them, work the mouth. And like, like that was so impressive. Like, you know, we'll talk about that some other day when we talk about like special. Oh, pardon me. Talk about special effects and whatnot. So, Coop, do you have anything else you want to add about uh, the electric mayhem? Drew, the the electric mayhem was inside us all along. Yeah, the true electric <laughs> mayhem is the friends we made. We made along, along the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, so gonna... it's, it's a good show. You know, um, check it out. But go back and watch the old stuff. Watch the, the 1979 Muppet movie. Watch the great Muppet caper because people forgot about that movie. Watch Muppet Takes Manhattan, which which is Muppets Take Manhattan, which is, you know, one of my favorite musicals. You know, um, it, which I, also gets a reference. In oh, this. oh, no, it does it. Which which one? The baseball diamond. Oh, okay, yeah, the baseball diamond. Well, that, that's caper. That's caper with the. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Diana Trigg from um, from uh, Game of Thrones. She was uh, Diana Rigg. Yeah, she was uh, she was in Great Muppet Caper as Lady Holiday, the Queen of Thorns. I know. I I freaking love this, and I, I love that. You know, I love that there's someone else out there like Ashes that can match my my Muppet love, like just back and forth. Like, and, and I know um, Patsy's got that Sesame street love, like nobody else, you know? So that was my <laughs> jam. Was so much fun. <laughs> so I forgot you had mentioned earlier that Janice was a character in the Muppet babies. And I had forgot about that. So I looked it up. Do you know who she was voiced by? Uh, was it Richard Hunt? No, 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 no. In the, um, in the cartoon, it was Dave Coulier. Oh my God! <laughs> like for out. sure, man. Hey, Garfield. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. People have opinions about his his Peter Venkman too. So you know, we miss our Garfield. Yeah. Wow. Dave Coulier. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, Coop, you want to hang out? You're, yeah. I'll hang you. All right. So we'll uh, we'll take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we will be discussing uh, our battle and uh, what we've got coming up next week. So. Two, three, four. And we have returned. That, of course, being Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Can you picture that? 
I don't know. Can you? I I was able to because it was on YouTube and there was video. Uh, the folks at home will have to picture it because they weren't able to just watch it. Um, yeah, so I I, I want to say thank you very much to uh, uh, Coop. Uh, I love hanging with Mr. Cooper here. Um, Aha! <laughs> I have it. I have it ready to... Right here. You know? Ash is just reminding me to... Uh, Get the battle music ready to go, uh, showing me the. Uh, the, the well, note except I, I was doing it in a in a don't be way. suspicious way. Well, no, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. I, I don't know that Muppet song. That's not a Muppet song. Oh, then I then I don't know. I don't that, know that's any from song. Parks and Rec. I don't know any song that's not Muppets. Jean Ralphio. I don't know. I only know him from Renfield and the Muppet Show. Tony fucking Lobo. Tony fucking Lobo. <laughs> Who the hell that... is that? It's me. I'm Tony fucking Lobo. <laughs> you, I think when you see Renfield, you are really going to like it. It's one of the funniest things I've seen this year. Um, I'm up to 168 films that I've watched this year. Wow. And Renfield has been my favorite. I was on a streak of only watching movies that I had never seen from... Uh, February into this month, into May. Oh, and I got 103 wow. movies that I'd never seen before. You know, new movies. You, you know, watched so all the Fast and the Furious ones, right? I got through two of those so far. <laughs> oh, you only watched two? You haven't even gotten past Tokyo Drift? Oh, no. Oh, I man. I've gotten two Tokyo Drift. I watched two of them, and I was just like, all I could think of was, yes. This is exactly like the American Dad episode where they find the script for Fast and Furious 7 and every other page is like uh, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker having sex with each other. And they're like, no, that's exactly the way the script that we film it exactly the way it's written. And we just cut out all the hardcore gay sex, except in France, we show everything like it's it's like, oh, my God, like. It's really like it's if you were to take the volleyball scene from Top Gun and give them all cars, that's what that's what Fast and Furious one and two have been. I did see all of the Mission Impossibles, which were all very good. Uh, even the one that wasn't that great was still pretty good, and that was, was the that, second was that one. number two. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Doug Ray Scott. Yeah, Do Gray. Do I only liked him as uh, that uh, he came back and did the uh, series snatch with Rupert Grint, and I think oh, I he played uh, he played like a brick top type character. Yeah, it was like a crackle only thing. So it was like <laughs> I was like, oh, but but he's in it. <laughs> it is Dugray, not Dugray. Uh, and normally I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, correct you, but I did work with his wife and I did meet him. Um. You're so, like, so uh, you uh, almost were Wolverine, huh? <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, it's it's Do Gray, it's not Doug Gray. He's a good actor, actually. I I, I like him. I like him I've in seen. Hemlock Grove. Yeah. Oh, that's a good series. Yeah. Um, I don't think we ever finished that. Like we got close, and then like there was some ridiculous shit going on, and we we're just like, meh. Um, but we do have a new battle for you. And Coop, what happens when we have a new battle? Time for the oh, battle music. Oh, that's right. 
and it's coming. Oh yeah, I like a dipshit. I muted. Hold on. I... <laughs> well, because I I was faster, faster. What did I do? What did I do on Dead River? I faded it out at the end, and I never put the volume back up onto the Windows Media Player. Is that why I couldn't hear uh, the break before? Um, maybe. Okay. Um, I, I don't know because that was through YouTube. Like we could okay. hear it. We were dancing. Oh, you we can, okay. Every time. All right. No worries. But, uh, yeah. So here, here's the battle theme. I can click play and have it work. So before we say the battle, I just have to say, I don't know what it is about the battle theme, but the battle theme always does not play for me. Like you saw me here clicking, and I'm sure on the recording, <laughs> clicking the button, like I'm pressing the play and it doesn't play. You know when it did play the first time? When it was on mute. I don't know what it is about the battle theme, but that makes me look the least professional out of anything we've ever done except for recording with uh, Laurel in a couple weeks ago and recording for 45 minutes without me hitting uh, record. But other than that, this is what makes me look the least professional consistently. That and my overall demeanor and on-air persona. Uh, so, <laughs> Ash, take it away. Battle! Battle! Oh, no. So today we are you throwing... You're lose your voice. <laughs> today we are throwing down music and mayhem one night only. Which fictitious band would you want to see live in concert? And you can choose from the Electric Mayhem, the Itty Bitty Diddy Committee, <laughs> Gem and the Holograms, or the Hex Girls. Oh, what is the Hex Girls from Scooby Doo? What is the he Scooby Doo? Yeah, I Scooby don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great friggin' one. Scooby Doo and the the vampires, right in uh, Australia. Yeah, <laughs> I, are they the Harlem Globetrotters or Batman and Robin or if Don not, Knotts? I don't know who they are. All I remember is that Robin was voiced by Casey Kasem. Like that's the extent of my Scooby Doo knowledge and Zoinks. I pick Captain Gooch and the Shrimp Shack Shooters from uh, that thing you do. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to pick Marvin Berry and the Enchantment Under the Sea. The Marvin? Your cousin? <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great mix of, of groups. So you said the Hex Girls, Gem and yeah. the Holograms. Um, and, Wait, they're uh, from Hex in the City, right? Yes. Yeah, they're in Hexus. Yeah, everything's bigger in Hexes. <laughs> it, uh, Electric Mayhem, and uh, who is the second one? The Itty Bitty Diddy. Itty. Oh, okay, yeah, the Itty Bitty Diddy. <laughs> so, so, so one more time, the, the Hex Girls, Gem and the Holograms, uh, the one we talked to, the Muppets, and Bob's Burgers Friends. Yeah, the itty bitty diddy committee. So you swapped out. See, this is why we do rehearsal. We talked about this earlier today, and 
we had not decided on the Hex Girls, which is the reason why I'm so confused, because I had suggested the Wild Stallions. Ooh. And then all of, out of nowhere, there's no Wild Stallions, so, and you're making up a band that but, doesn't but exist. But here's the thing. They're all either animated or puppets. They're not real people. Yeah, but- I, I, there's a theme to it. So if we had thrown real people in there, it would have <laughs> screwed, messed up the theme. What about All the I shitty Beatles? We had an agreement. We had a handshake. <laughs> okay, Mister, I can't play the battle theme correctly. It, <laughs> oh it, yeah, but I can discuss the battle. We had landed on something earlier. Battle. And I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm like, wait, what was that again? Say that because I didn't hear Wild Stallions in there. You know what? The Wild Stallions are the judges. Nope, <laughs> fixed it. I, I was just glad you didn't say Spinal Tap because I was like, oh, my God, this is going to hurt. I, I did say Spinal Tap earlier, and Ash has correctly told me that Spinal Tap has toured before. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, they toured Springfield. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're a fake band, but they're they're an actual band. Right. So we can't count them. I didn't realize that. So we can't count them. And Good night, amps? Springton. There will be no encore. It's a rock show, not the bleeding Splish Splash concert. <laughs> oh man, that's about, awesome! I'm going to be interested to see at the this. end of uh, the 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 Simpsons episode where Homer was the groupie or the roadie. Oh my and god! And it was yeah. like Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Brian Setzer, Tom Petty, Lenny Kravitz. Was this El- when he Elvis Costello? It's only rock and roll camp, but he likes it. Yeah, Elvis Costello. Where, Elvis uh, Costello, that's the guy I was forgetting. Like, they all, they were all going to play. How did you leave out the party posse? Because they're not a band. They're a group. They don't play their own instruments. What did they, what did they put? What did Justin Timberlake say to him? I we can't saw, believe I get to meet Millhouse. We saw your band formation notice. You saw our BFN? Therefore, by that definition, but they, they are, are not a band. So I listen. Pop music is hard. <laughs> Apparently, playing the battle theme correctly is hard too. It is. It's incredible. You want to try producing one of these days? Yeah, yeah. Throwing stones from your glass. Who's <laughs> Canada? Yeah, Hoosier. <laughs> That's Indiana. Hoosier. I don't know where I am. Hoser? No, Hoosier. Hoosier. That's Indiana. Yeah, Hoosier. Wait, now we're talking about Hosier? (laughs) Isn't it close enough? No! There's like three states above it. I know geography. No, Indiana doesn't touch Iowa. (laughs) Oh, on the side it does. Uh, Indiana? Yeah, it touches on the side. Of Illinois. Let me get a map. Yeah, <laughs> you know what, Pat? I don't. You can, you can, you can have that. Yes, sure. <laughs> I, I was just thinking. I, I'm in Illinois, and, and Iowa's like five hours away the other direction. <laughs> yeah, Iowa is under Minnesota. Yeah, so I was right about that. You know, I was thinking of Iowa, not Indiana. That's my fault because it's uh, under Michigan. Under Michigan, I knew there was a state between it and Canada, and you have to cross a lake. Not just a regular lake, not a spectacular lake, but a great lake. Indiana is a great state to drive through and stop for gas and keep going. 
So That's if where, uh, uh, any of our listeners are, played his football. <laughs> I, um, actually, Indiana is what I wanted to mention um, to you guys. Um, there is a museum right outside of Notre Dame in the same town. And it is the Studebaker Museum, and I was uh, okay. able to stop there on our uh, on our honeymoon, and um, we saw in the basement they have the uh, prop car from the Muppet movie, as it is, it, it, as it is now. A bear in his natural environment, a Studebaker. <laughs> <laughs> they and uh, the the trunk is all hollowed out because that's where the driver is with the seat and all that, and you can see it. And it's got super faded 1979 paint on it from when the Electric Mayhem actually, you know, did that whole song, you know, uh, for your break. Uh, can you picture that? And they gussied up the car so it would match up to the billboard. So, so you can actually see it in its uh, physicality. That's cool. I mean, if I were to pick a state where they would have a Studebaker uh, museum, Indiana would be the one. Yep. I mean, they do have the Colts. And a lot of fireworks places there, you know, get fireworks there. You can get fireworks in New Hampshire. I'm not driving all the way to Indiana. Yeah, that's that's true. You do have New Hampshire has everything. <laughs> Cheap booze, no state tax. I think murder's legal there in the right circumstance. I mean, it live free or die. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't live free, people can kill you. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's probably a good place to uh, wrap the show up. Uh, Next week, we will be uh, chatting with uh, at least the director, if not uh, one of the other writers and producers of the uh, 2022 multi-award winning uh, anthology film, uh, Dr. Seville's Horror Show. Uh, we'll be uh, discussing that. It's uh, some interesting stuff going on about that. Mm. Uh, with, Is that it all chipmunk film. themed? Yes. Ah. The Dave Seville's <laughs> Horror Show. Yep. Uh but it's a fun anthology flick um, that we got a chance to watch, so we can uh, we can interview those folks. That's what we're going to be uh, talking about next week, and the week after that, we don't know yet because that's way far in the future, and I can't even play the the, the battle theme. <laughs> so I'm not planning two weeks ahead. What do you think I am? Some plan guy. And if the Muppets, if the Muppets and Electric Mayhem have taught us anything, is that the plan is to not to have a plan, right? <laughs> and exactly. Also, you can magic my ties out of nowhere if you're in a hot tub. Where'd you get that? <laughs> Where do those keep coming from? <laughs> but uh, I think, with that being said, we will wait. Wait. Coop, thank you so much for being on the say, show. You... <laughs> this is thank me. Coop for being on the show. Uh, Coop, where can folks uh, find you for those of uh, them who are not familiar with who you am? On Facebook, you can find me, uh, Epic, Tale, um, Epic Shells, the uh, Ninja Turtles group. Uh, podcast epic tales from the sewers atmnt podcast anywhere that you find podcasts um and uh, the new one generation playlist you can find us and our playlists on spotify recently we've covered queen we've covered pink floyd next up is outlaw country and then we're going to have metallica and then um prince which is the the purple one so uh and check those out and you can check that out um anywhere that you find your podcast generation playlist and uh you have a comic one 
Oh, I've got so many others. You know, the Dorkening, I'm on the uh, the Dork Knight podcast, which is all about Batman. I've got Comics Paradox, which is the same crew as the Dork Knight. We just go back and forth and we talk about alternate realities. And um, that's uh, that's kind of it for now. So Let well, me I can remember at least. On the, the guy that knows how to play the battle theme correctly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just on that show. <laughs> um. Cool. So yeah, definitely make sure you check out Coop on all his 600 yes, shows. I was going to say, he is definitely one of the hardest working men in podcasting. I've yeah. cut down. <laughs> I used to do a show a day. Now I do two shows a day. <laughs> the longer shows. <laughs> but uh, Coop, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been a blast. We've been talking to you for two and a half hours. And Still my favorite two. podcast. You know, what, what can I say? I appreciate you know? that. I I, uh, I had to get you to do the uh, the, the the impression there because uh, it's just not a show unless you're doing your John Travolta. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. I mean, I, what was the episode where we interviewed John Travolta? Was that the uh, Infinity? No, no, World? we interviewed Ray Park at Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, John Travolta has left us a voicemail John on Travolta occasion. Has called in. Yep, has was that episode two hundred? It might have been. I don't. Yeah. It's been so long. We've been doing this. <laughs> yeah. It could have been episode 102. Could have been a rainy Tuesday. I don't know. It's been, we've been doing this for almost seven years. Actually, yeah. The end of our anniversary is coming up in, in a few weeks. Wow. In June. Are we sure it's seven? I feel like we had a birthday last year and it wasn't the correct birthday. We've either been doing, I think we've been doing this since 2016. But the original idea happened in 2015 when I was like just doing the throwdown Thursday before we actually made the podcast. But we've been doing this. I'll have to go back and look, but I, I think we've been doing this close to seven years. Because we'd be, if we hadn't taken a big break, we'd be coming up on 350 episodes, which is yeah, seven that's years. True. Well, if we yeah. do one a week. I don't know. I'm not good at math. I yeah. I I don't math good. I don't. That's worry. a lot. That's like that's like El Goro numbers. Oh no, he's he's so he's like six hundred something. Like oh, that's like that's like seven years ago. El Goro numbers. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's really impressive. You're almost as good as that guy who did that like ten years ago. <laughs> no, there are there are shows that have been around. Like ah, oh, yeah, this is episode nine thousand and twelve. I was the first podcast ever. It was just me and my dog. Scooter. I called him that because he used to like rub his butt on the carpet and just scoot around. <laughs> Before that, he didn't have a name. Small mammal in which I used to live the lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, on that note, yeah. we, we will see you next Thursday. Thursday.